Hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 70. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Next Gen's third season episodes, The Defector, The Hunted, and The High Ground. Here we go. The Defector, Season 3, Episode 10, Production Number 158, Original Air Date, January 1st, 1990, Directed by Robert Shearer, Written by Ronald D. Moore, Music Composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast include James Sloyan as Aladar Jurok, Andreas Katsoulis as Tomalok, John Hancock as Hayden, S.A. Templeman as Bates, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. The Enterprise aids a runaway, distressed Romulan scout ship, and the one crewman is beamed aboard. Although he claims to be a low-ranking logistics officer, the vessel's pilot shares a startling revelation that the Romulans have established a base on Novaya III, from which they plan to launch a major offensive to reclaim the neutral zone. The Romulan defector begs the captain to destroy the base to prevent a catastrophic war. You ask us for faith. In circumstances which are hardly possible to believe, compounded by lies and your refusal to tell us what you know. I cannot betray my people. You've already betrayed your people, Admiral. You've made your choices, sir. You're a traitor. Okay, the defector. You know, I remembered liking this episode, and I'm so glad that I... It, it turned. It was just like I remembered. There's something about this episode that's just... It's not perfect. It's got its problems. It's... It's a little, um, I don't know, empty, I guess, in the in the kind of the middle, you know, and stuff like that. But I, I like it. I like it. There's so many things I like about it. There's so many things I like about it in the Star Trek The Next Generation kind of defining the show as what I think of the show kind of way. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, this was one of the episodes, hell, this may be the first episode that isn't the nutty amazing, you know, Yesterday's Enterprise, Best of Both Worlds, Measure of a Man, whatever, the obvious episodes that you play for the non-Star Trek people that I'm choosing to play for my wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not, not counting those, this is the first kind of normal next-gen episode that I, that I played for her, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so you've got um, lots of Picard and Data relationship stuff. Um, you've got, you know, the basic uh, Romulan, Federation, Neutral Zone, all those politics. Um, you've got kind of the mystery a little bit there of, is he really a defector? Is he not? Turns out he's actually an admiral, you know, everything that's going on there. Um, you've got the Klingons helping out at the end. Uh, you've got the kind of immediate distrust, like between the Federation um, and the Romulans. Uh, for example, you know, Riker's immediately questioning him. Uh, Jirak. Um and even with Jirak, the guy that's chosen to give up his whole life to defect and try and prevent a war, he's still very obviously like, um, you know, uh, predestined to <laughs> distrust humans mm-hmm. uh, and, and the Federation, I should say. You know, there's just so much kind of Intrigue. good stuff in there. Yeah, it's it's just a, I, I just I just enjoy watching it. I just I I always have, especially you know, like the opening and the closing, all that stuff is is very very solid. It's very very good, um, and maybe it slows down a little bit in the middle with like the interrogation and some of that kind of stuff where it's there's not a lot of new information presented. Um, but I just have positive thoughts about this one. This is definitely the this is the episode of the ones we're watching today that 
I mean, I'll just go ahead and say it. like this one to me is kind of the best. The hunted is solid. The high ground, not very good, but um, I, I really like this one. Uh, what are your guys' uh, kind of first thoughts? Well, I um, I, I think it's very entertaining. I mean, I was uh, I I had a lot of fun with it. You know, it has it's that kind of Romulan po- political intrigue kind of episode that Next Gen has several of, which are which are a lot of fun. Um, any kind of thing that's, that has a bit of a mystery to it, you know, you don't know exactly who this guy is, what's his story, <clears throat> that's entertaining. Um, yeah, and you have like the the once again these these paired conversations that started in season three that go on to define much of next gen. You know, where we we get the characterization; these characters develop through these conversations. You learn what their their uh, their opinions are and their their personas, their sides when they when they communicate about what's going on i mean it, it's a little bit of you know it's focused so much on a guest character which we've often talked about how that yeah. can be a problem um but otherwise i think it's i think it's it's a lot of fun to watch it's very entertaining and a lot a lot of good stuff going on yeah that and that's that's definitely a fine line most of the time that doesn't work at all at best it's okay the focusing on a guest in this one instance I think I'm okay with it most of the time. And maybe that's why I like the middle section when I feel like it drags a little. Um, it's because even when there isn't much happening when it's our characters, it doesn't feel like it's so draggy. But when there's not a lot of happening and we've got this other guy, then it stands out a bit. But, but you know, James Sloyan, I'm saying Sloyan, he's so good. Mm-hmm. You know, he's so good in that. Like, it's funny this episode opens with Shakespeare because, you know, the Romulan, you play a Romulan, to play a Romulan, it's like playing a Klingon, you know, it's very like, mm-hmm. not over the top, but there's a lot of bravado and it's very full and it's kind of, you know, Shakespeare modern or something mm-hmm. um, that you can't get away with if you were just anybody else. Um, and he, he's, he's so good that he, he, he holds the screen up every time he's there. Um, so I, I guess I, it doesn't it doesn't bother me as much here, but that that is a fair point. That's an absolutely fair point. Uh, Caesar, um, I enjoyed the open, the Shakespearean stuff. And we've mentioned that a few times here. Um, am I mistaken? Is that Picard? I mean, not, um, is that Patrick Stewart? Yeah, yeah, yeah I couldn't. I, I <laughs> Michael Williams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's um, funny because he's kind of talking to himself there. <laughs> um, I wouldn't call my. I'm I'm a Shakespeare fan, not anywhere close to a nut, and I don't quote Shakespeare. I don't know a whole lot of Shakespeare quotes, but I enjoy watching it. I enjoyed Henry V. Um, so it's 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 cool to see and you know in Patrick Stewart's background, he's a Shakespearean actor, so I'm sure he was excited to, to add a little Shakespeare to the, to the story his, of his suggestion because originally that scene was another um uh data as um Sherlock Holmes. Uh, right. and then, you know they had some legal issues with with the um Mr. Arthur Conan Doyle estate that had not been settled yet. Um, so at the last second, they wanted to switch it, and Stewart suggested Henry V, actually. Yeah, and it worked out. And I mean, it's, um, you know, you have this, there's this ongoing little storyline of, you know, Picard and Data, you know, they're discovering his humanity. And this is a, this was a nice little open to the episode. I enjoyed it. And, um, you know, you kind of have um, Picard, you know, saying Shakespeare lines throughout the, throughout the episode so it, it was fun um and i agree with basically most of what you and um steve said i mean yeah it's a, it's an entertaining episode it's it moves good it's fluid um i guess it did kind of slow down in the middle but it, it didn't bother me too much 
Yeah, it's hard to make a bad episode if you can have Patrick Stewart quote some Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he has that line near the middle about, you know, if everybody dies, it'll be a black mark for the king, whatever. You know, just the way he delivers it. You know, right. I mean, he's he's the best. He's the best. If there's any, you know, I've seen Patrick Stewart a few times at conventions and things like that. But I do wish that I could see him perform Shakespeare someday. I really do. <laughs> uh, he's in his 70s now. I don't know how much more time <laughs> to try. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I just I just like this episode. I've always, and I always have a fond memory of it. And it's... Um, it's basically a bottle show, really. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got some. It's not like we don't even see the Klingon, the Klingons. Uh, we don't communicate with them visually when those ships show up. It's literally, literally just the ships. We don't even speak with them. We don't see them on a view screen or anything. Um, the only bit of Romulans we see is uh, Tomalock on a screen close up. Incidentally, and here's a fun trivia question: This is the last time we see the real Tomalock. Hmm. He's going to be on Catsalis. Uh, oh, on yeah. Show two yeah. more times as Tomalock, but both times they're not real. They're, I mean, they're not this regular Tomalock. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Anyway. Um, I always um, the, I always get a kick out of, and I, and I still quote to this day in the right kind of circumstances, the when he's having the conversation about, you know, um, when Jirak is asking Picard if he has children and goes into that, and when Picard dismisses him, well, this is all very interesting. I still say yeah. that when I'm like dismissing a tedious conversation, I'll do that. <laughs> this is all very interesting. <laughs> you make the, do you make the same little um, squinching of your, your lips? Oh, uh, right, right, right. I try. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of. Uh, I wonder if it had been, if it would have been better if he could have really convinced Picard because. Mm-hmm. In another in another way, because in the end, and and I'm sure this was the right thing to do, but the way that he convinces Picard is by giving up sensitive information, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that convinces Picard that he is that he is uh, genuine in saying, "I believe there is a military installation on Nirvana Three, whatever it's called." Um, yeah, that's a great scene, though. You know, where Picard doesn't give in to him at all. He's like, "You're a traitor." You yeah. Have to come to terms with that. I mean, you know, and yeah, you've already betrayed going, your people. You're not ever going back. <laughs> you yeah. come this, you know. There's, there's no black and white. It's, it's, it's. There's no gray area here. So that was an enjoyable scene between the two of them. I like the scene where where Data meets meets Jirak. They're like, were they on ten forward? And then Data takes him to the the holodeck. It's kind of you know, it's similar. It's a frequent thing we get with Data, the way he meets these characters. Same kind of thing in. The next episode we're going to discuss the hunted. Um, there's another piece of silly trivia. I'm full of it today. That's the first time we see Romulus, oh, okay. the, ho- the holodeck version. We've never seen it in any way before. Interesting. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but you know, I like his his motivations are sound. You know, my daughter my daughter grew up thinking that I'm a traitor, but she will grow up. Um, I always felt like maybe at the end, end at the very end, it was a little bit rushed. Like there's no, it's yeah, just like yeah. we walk into it, into his quarters, uh, and he's dead. You know, yeah. um, but I guess if they'd spend any more time on that, or it, it, you know, it would have been too much of the guest star. Maybe they could have just presented it in a different way. But you know, like I said, there's what is there? There's there's the, you know one of the greatest hours of television history level of quality 
on this show. There's kind of a notch below that that's just still darn good, awesome. And then maybe there's another notch below that, which is just like solid, reliable, good. Yeah. This is that to me, and this is the this is the quintessential. I'm flipping channels on the television. And I see this, and I leave it on, kind of thing, you know. Right, right. Maybe not anymore because now, if you're flipping channels, they're just showing the SD version, and I'm so oh, yeah, 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 yeah. with the HD. It looks so darn pretty, um, and it does look really good. It's so weird. I keep I keep brushing over this, but it's so weird. It, it, it feels like they're making the show today to me somehow, because no show from that time period looks like this does in HD now. Because even the shows that that maybe they could have finished on film would have been transferred so long ago or whatever, they just wouldn't. They would look old. This just doesn't look old every time. When it looks, it never looks old. It looks dated, but it never looks old. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I, the I hunted, the hunted. Those guys look like you know '80s future military guys, right? Yeah. But so that's dated. But it doesn't look old. It looks like they shot it yesterday, trying to make it look dated. <laughs> <laughs> retro. Yeah, retro. Anyway, what's the show about, guys? The Defector. Well, uh, for me, it's probably um, the complexities of the notion of instinct and logic versus instinct. You know, I mean, you have Data who, you know, that's, for me, that's the character of our main cast that's that's developing here, that they're doing something with. He has the conversation with... Jarak, he's uh, you know trying to understand because early on he's you know, with the acting, he's trying to understand what's the the notion of instinct versus just you know functionality and and, and logic and so forth. And then you have you have the Aladar Jarak who has made uh, basically an incorrect decision. He thought that this a certain situation was the way it was. He was manipulated the whole time. He followed his instinct, and um, it was for you know turned out badly for him. So. For, for me, that's kind of what's going on here. Caesar? Um, yeah, there, I mean, there's uh, there's questions of um, patriotism in in this. I mean, because, you know, he, Truck clearly believes, he clearly loves his country and, he, or his, you know, the Romulan Empire, and he doesn't want to see it destroyed. So is he a patriot or is he a traitor? So it asks those questions to me it kind of asks this question you know that it's that duality what's going on with him and in his psyche when he knows he's betraying his um people but but betraying them to um save them so um that's a that was an interesting question throughout the episode well from from a very like specific star trek kind of conversation you know we have been presented with the idea certainly that you know different species uh, for example, the Klingons are they're a warlike people. You know, they are aggressive, they are aggressors. Um, you know, and the Romulans let's say that's one end, physically aggressive, and then you've got the complete other end, I think of maybe the, the Dominion, uh, where they are they're aggressive, but if they can come up with a way to win a war without firing a shot, they're gonna do it. But they're still gonna start the war. You know, but then the Romulans are like kind of somewhere in the middle. Um and when we see something like this, we see this, we see this one guy uh, acting in a very different way. You know, he's, he's able to kind of be objective and, and look at the, at the Romulans, look at his own people and think a certain way. Um, anyway, it just it can, it can help you to reconsider 
all those assumptions you made about Romulans, you know, and taken to the extreme, we're going to get that if you a couple seasons later, you know, when we see that there's an entire movement, for example, um, that that wants to uh, unite with uh, the Vulcans, um, which is a very different kind of cultural thought. So it's it's easy to look back like on on our history, you know. Um, and and think of everybody as leaning a certain way or, or that this is what people thought. But it's just never that simple. Um, I'm sure there were plenty of people in the American Revolution, which is hinted at in High Ground, I'm sure there were plenty of people in the American Revolution that wanted, just wanted to stick with the British rule, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, I, just, I, I like how this episode um, reminds me that all Romulans are not Tomalak. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gives them, it gives their species a lot more uh, depth without having to actually go to Romulus or meet a whole bunch of um, Romulans and just one guy, you know. Anyway, so it, it, anything that, that expands the, the Trek mythos is also commendable. So I like this episode a lot. It's very good. This was Ron Moore's second episode. Look at that. He's he's the man. <laughs> Love him. And let's do some six degrees. Six degrees for the defector. Let's see here. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. <clears throat> James Sloyan plays Admiral Jarak, the Romulan officer that gets played by the high command like a Vulcan harp. Mm-hmm. Sloyan will uh, guest several times on Trek, but his best remembered performance was as Odo's pseudo father in two episodes of DS9, the alternate and the begotten. Name his character. Mm. Yeah, boy. <clears throat> Do you can I can I give a small hint? Of course. Doctor. <laughs> Damn it! I thought that was his whole name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm blanking. I don't know. Caesar? Dr. <laughs> Did I not get that? What? what? That's not right? No, I, don't, I have no idea. Dr. Maura Pole. Oh, yes. Maura Pohl. Adam, yes. in what season of Next Gen will James Sloyan play Worf's son, Alexander Rozenko, uh, from the future in the Next Gen episode, Firstborn? So, which season was Firstborn? Where... This same actor plays Alexander. I'm going to say season six. You are incorrect. Should I offer? I don't know. That's that's always kind of weird. Yeah, let's do it. Steve? Mm, Seven. You're right. It's seven. Moving on. The Hunted, season three, episode 11, production number 159. Original air date, January 8th, 1990. Directed by Cliff Bowl, written by Robin Mernheim. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Jeff McCarthy as Rogadenar, James Cromwell as Prime Minister Narok, Colm Meany as Miles O'Brien, J. Michael Flynn as Zayner, Andrew Bicknell as Wagner, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. <laughs> The USS Enterprise visits the planet Angosia, which recently emerged victorious from a lengthy war and is now seeking membership in the Federation. During the visit, a violent prisoner in Angosia's penal colony escapes and is later captured after a clever game of hide-and-seek with the help of the Enterprise. 
Perhaps when this planet becomes a member of the Federation, we'll be able... We'll not be there to see it, Counselor. Because even with this overwhelming demand to survive that they've built into my soul, I would rather die than return to Lunar 5. Mr. Caesar, start us yeah. off for The Hunted. The Hunted and Goja. You don't see... Um... <laughs> Sorry, you don't see um, Data get um, get tricked too often. So uh, I enjoyed the little cat and mouse game added in the little um, the synopsis here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you actually you, first time you kind of see Data <laughs> a little surprised look on his face. Nice to see there. him uh, in the captain's chair, though. I like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, overall, the episode um, I would say it's a solid episode. It's it moves fairly decently. It asks some interesting questions. Um, but I wouldn't say it's a great episode. I would just say give it like a, a B minus. Roughly. Yeah. Yeah, I liked um I I like it okay fine. You know, I mean it's one of those where the, the good stuff is a lot of fun and then the downtime is really down. I think that, you know, for me. It's it's like um when it gets talky and you know, you know what they're trying to say and it's it's just kinda that that it's a little tedious. But the action stuff, you know, and the whole <clears throat> Like you say, cat and mouse, and you know what's this guy doing, and how he's manipulating people. That's a lot of fun. I always remember this one because of all that stuff. And there's, and there's a lot of fun. Uh, who's that guy? Moments too with <laughs> fighting. Yeah. <laughs> one thing that's funny about this episode is let's say let's compare this to the, the to the defector that we just discussed. Uh, you know, whatever twelve year old me, give or take a year, whenever this premiered, when I saw this for the first time, twelve mm-hmm. um, year old me. Didn't he, I don't remember seeing the defector the first time. I probably did, and I just I wouldn't remember that. I wouldn't have cared for that. But twelve year old me loved the hunted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the big, the big, the act three chase through the ship and stuff. Mm-hmm. Action. You know, twelve year old me loved that, and I remember yeah. it's one of the episodes that I remember seeing the first time. I remember seeing it in the time in which it was made. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the first time, this is the first time we get to see O'Brien beat up. Come on. Oh, he's shot. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but adult me thinks this episode is just okay, but loves the defector. Could watch the defector anytime. Mm-hmm. You know, and and this today's an interesting thing too, because I really do think like the high ground is a, probably a bad episode. The hunted is 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 okay, and the defector is good. So we kind of got all three. In my opinion, we've got all three kind of of those levels today. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I like I do I, I this is this is an enjoyable episode. I agree that it's you know what it is. It's because like some of the scenes in the brig seem a little bit redundant. Mm-hmm. Like we've got him and Troy. Maybe they could, maybe they come back to that one too many times. Even even when he just talks with Data, um, there's really just one or two lines of interest in there, and then they keep talking. Kind of. Um, I'm not sure what else you do with it, but so it's the same kind of thing. And then even even like the action the action sequence near the end is it's very interesting and. Um, but most of what holds my attention throughout this episode is one, the message, which we're gonna we can discuss in a bit. It's very obviously trying to be about something. But two, Dana, the character, well, I shouldn't say the character, but like the soldier is really he's really cool. Mm-hmm. Just like the the idea of something with his cells or whatever that his sensors can't read him. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. awesome. <laughs> that is incredibly cool. That's like the coolest. Like if you could have some mutant um, feature in this in this universe in this world in this time, 
and you wanted to be a soldier or a criminal or something, that's what you would pick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. invisible dispensers. I mean, that sounds like like that customizable card game. Maybe there's an extra power mm-hmm. you can acquire. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. that's just that's just really neat. This guy can yes. infiltrate. You know, uh, on the other hand, it kind of makes our ship look. Um, inept or something that yeah, yeah, if they just he's able to get around it, it'd be a lot better off when they. I mean, mm-hmm. Where's the security cameras? <laughs> <laughs> uh, some simple uh, 20th century technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um, mean, it's, it is pretty enjoyable to know that he knows the ins and outs of the entire enterprise without actually having studied one schematic. Well, and then considering that the enterprise is apparently. More, a little bit more uh, advanced technologically than his people in his own ships. Um, he picked it up pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. He did. He was like a con reading a book. <laughs> reading a book. That that whole effect, like when he like, I'm assuming it's somehow related to the same physical alterations he's had that it's allowed that allows him to not uh, be readable by the sensors. But the the thing that he does to like break out of that transport. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of cool, and that's unlike anything we've ever seen before. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I don't recall ever seeing that since, even you know. Um, yeah. Which but is, where did he go? Was it just like kind of like a? He did he did just run off, or did he get? Yeah, yeah someplace else. Someplace else. I yeah, it was just a big flash, flash like a flash bang, and then he ran out of the room. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, because he is the the guy. He the deception. He's mm-hmm. kind of a magi- magician in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, as you mentioned. Um, kind of fooling data early on, but then we know uh, data does learn from that. He right. immediately guesses that there's some misdirection going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and even uh, Worf uh, kind of outsmarts him and catches him in that mm-hmm. cargo bay, but wasn't smart enough to just start firing phasers at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's nice to see James Cromwell. We love him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I shook his hand once at this little um, uh, play reading that they did. Hmm. The guy's like Lou Ferrigno hands. You wouldn't think it, but his hand is like like your face, man. <laughs> <It's> huge. <laughs> what is, isn't he like six five, six seven? Yeah, he's he's like a. I'm a tall guy, and he's like a he's like a head above me. He's crazy. <laughs> he's yeah, but he's cool. Um, but yeah, it's great seeing him. Uh, we love him, and he even. Even he does a good job in this role. Uh, you know, don't take him for granted. There's a reason they keep bringing him back, and he's in the movies and stuff. Um, of course, it's years later from this is when he's going to really blow up in features with like LA Confidential. Um, but that scene near the end when he's kind of explaining their rationale to Picard, right, right before Danar and his buddies break into the room. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene when he's when he's Speaking to Picard and the away team, he's very good in that scene. He's very good. He's very convincing. You know, you you almost like understand until you like shake your head. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's he saying? <laughs> you know, um, it's also always nice to see. Like, here's another one of those examples where Troy is used in like a real way. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so. she kicks all this off because of her abilities. It wasn't forced in. I mean, it made it was organic. It made sense. You know. Um, I like that, that when she goes to see Picard the very first time, you know, he just says, look, I, I'm going to pass him off in a few hours and I'll be happy to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. See ya. You know, you, you understand where he's coming from and it, 
I like that it kind of gives his characters some somewhere to go in this episode. Maybe he gets there a little too quickly because the very next scene, he's basically convinced. Um, maybe just maybe if in that scene when they're in the ready room. No, not the ready room. Um, the cell. Oh, no, when they're when they're behind the bridge. Okay. Um, observation <clears throat> lounge. Or? Observation lounge. When they're in the and when they're in there. Um, if he had been convinced in the course of that scene, I think that might have been a little more effective. But anyway, at any, any rate, um, so I don't know. It's weird. Does, does it? You know, I mentioned in our last episode discussion today about kind of feeling dated. Uh, definitely, this has a lot of this. This oddly seems more like a product of the '80s than even the the defector that we just watched. I'm not exactly sure why that is, but it has something to do with. Um, the soldier uniforms and their hair and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the 80s gang. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I don't know, do we, do we like the guy playing Dinar? Do we like his performance? Is he, is he good? What is he? I, I think so. Reasonably well, so. Yeah. I don't know why he reminds me of Kevin Nealon. I think that too. There's something in the face. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's like, yeah. I can see uh, that. Kevin Nealon on roids or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Good. I'm. I'm not crazy. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, God, it looks like Kevin Nealon. You know, I do have to. You know, kind of from a. I don't know the standpoint of the, this. This civilization was supposed to get being ready to join the Federation. Like, how did this stuff not come out in some kind of you know screening process or whatever audit? You know, it's like they're ready to join the Federation. Oh yeah, but we have this whole colony that's a prison, kind of like a concentration Isn't camp that or exactly- whatever. Isn't that exactly what has happened? They've they've applied to the Federation, and that's just like paperwork and emails, right? right? And now the Federation sends somebody out there to check it out, the Enterprise and Picard, and that's what happens. Picard yeah, sees yeah. this and says, "Oh no, you know." Yeah. So I think I think in that case the system's kind of worked. It's just that um, maybe maybe Picard would have discovered all this during the course of his investigation. Maybe he just got there and just started. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, on the other hand, though, I did kind of think at the very beginning, it's it seemed a little bit odd that we're so immediately helping them capture a prisoner with the with yeah, the I thought that was odd awe too. and power of the Enterprise. Why is this our business? Yeah, yeah, because we're not even in a relationship with them yet. Really, we're just starting to talk. Um, that seemed a little bit weird, but yeah, there's a little, yeah. We'll talk more about this in the next episode, but yeah, it's uh, the um, regulations are a little bit loose in these these next two episodes that we're talking about. Yeah, prime directive crisis in this yeah. like time, period of time here. Yeah. Well, hmm. there was some funny. Um, there was, as you mentioned, Steve. There was some pretty funny. Who's that guy? <laughs> yeah. It also was another... accentuated in the high def, you know. Now, so yeah. Plus, this one I watched on my 15 foot screen. Oh, <laughs> yeah. In high def, right? Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty bad. Like when near the beginning, when Riker and Worf come rushing in there and tackle him, uh-huh. like the guy, just his back. But the guy doing Riker was like nothing like him. <laughs> Dan, the Danar guy, that wig didn't even fit right. It was, pretty, yeah. <laughs> well, they're pl- fl- they're flopping around and can't get it all get all messed up. Maybe someday they'll have the technology to uh, CG them like- in, just like. I guess Worf would be a little easier to do because you just put put the Worf mask on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, the Worf mask. <laughs> <laughs> What's this episode about? Um, 
what do you do with um people you ask to serve that can no longer be a part of society? I mean, definitely ask that question there. What do you do with soldiers when they come home? Um, it's an ongoing question we ask in this country all the time. I mean, thankfully we don't, you know, put them in a penal colony somewhere, but, um, this is the solution that these people came up with. And it's, so it definitely asks, you know, um, how do you, how do you treat people that, that you ask to commit in some, in some cases atrocities, you know, what, I mean, how do you go about that, you know, healing that person and bringing them back into society? And is it, is it society's responsibility to, to do that? I think is, is one of the specific questions being asked here, which I, which I think is a very worthwhile question and something that's maybe not, not as asked as often. It's hard to imagine um, this episode coming in the late '80s uh, with, with that they weren't that they were not thinking about the Vietnam War. I'm sure that was on their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, we've had plenty of other wars since then. Or you could make some ask some other questions, uh, Steve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a little bit of the, especially the Vietnam coming home, because of course, in that instance. Um, you know, they weren't on the whole. Those soldiers were not welcomed back. It wasn't a big victory. There wasn't parades. I mean, they, you know, and so I think you know that was the latest, really the latest war we were in at the time of this episode. You know, really, and so I think there, I think that's in there, and I think I think the larger question of whenever you, whenever you. Essentially, <laughs> manipulate somebody in, or, or or train them, or or bring them to a point of doing something, and then you're at, now. Let's just back up and get, put them back in society. Everyone's coming back together again. You know, do we not have a responsibility towards you know for the um, what are the results there? What, what what you know? How do we deal with that? You know? Yeah, you know, maybe our listeners recall, but I actually was in the army for a few years, the United States Army. Um, I was in the band, but, you know, <laughs> I was in the Army and uh, went through the same basic training as everybody else. You know, and, and when you get out, there is some, like, you have to, you, there's some mandatory training about adjusting to civilian life and stuff. And I remember, and this is when I, I got out in the late 90s, um, and I remember thinking it, it it felt like they were checking some boxes on a list about, we discussed this, we discussed this, mm-hmm. you know, but it was very shallow, you know. But on the other hand, it was a start. And, you know, compare that to when people came back from Vietnam or certainly even people coming back from the Great Wars, you know, the World mm-hmm. Wars One and Two. They they didn't have that, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was a start. Uh, and I, I wonder, you know, my brother's still in, but he's about to retire. He's going to be getting out in a couple of years. Um you know, I kind of wonder where the system is at now, but you still you read about things like um, the VA, the Veterans Affairs um, Administration, um, failing in a lot of these efforts even today. Um, but you know, I, I if if one of the questions here is, is it society's responsibility? Yes, I think that the answer to that question is yes. Um, and what do you do if society then fails? Uh, I don't know. That's yeah. a, um, one of those ongoing questions like what what did Picard say to Data and that <laughs> mankind's been struggling with those questions? Well, that's in the next episode. Oh, is it in the next episode? Yeah, talking was... about uh, whether uh, terrorism right, uh, right. justifies the ends, mm-hmm. the means justify the ends. Um, but yeah, similar similar kind of questions here. Um, 
So I don't know, but I, I do like the way that the the way they end this episode. A couple little things. One, it's it's nice that um, they end it without exactly you know you don't have to answer it. It's just asking that question is good, and in not answering it, they've reminded us what a difficult question it is and how hard it is to answer right mm-hmm. um, and then also there's the fun play of using the, for the finally being able to use the prime directive um, in an advantageous way yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah all right I think we've covered the hunted <clears throat> so I guess that means in in a decade my son will be 12 and he'll really like this episode <laughs> <laughs> Okay, six degrees for the hunted. Um, Steve has one. Adam? Yes. Jeff McCarthy plays Roga Danar, the super soldier that plays small and evades the Enterprise's turbo lasers. In the pilot for Voyager, he played an officer on Voyager that quickly meets his demise. Who was his character? And I'm asking, like, for his occupation when you think about all the main characters on Star Trek. Um, was he yeah. the doctor? You are correct. He was the chief medical officer. Did not last long. No. Steve. Yes. J. Michael Flynn plays Zayner, one of uh, the prime minister's assistants that needs help capturing an escaped prisoner. In which season of Enterprise did he play the Romulan scientist Nigel in a three-part story arc involving a Romulan drone? The episodes were Babel 1, United, and the Anar. Which mm. season was that uh, three-episode story arc in, in, in Enterprise? Gosh. It's the only time they had Romulans, I think. Okay, how about fourth? You're correct, it was season four. Moving on. The High Ground, season three, episode 12, production number 160. Original air date, January 29th, 1990. Directed by Gabriel Beaumont, written by Melinda M. Snodgrass, music composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast include Carrie Keene as Alexa, uh, Alexana Devos, Richard Cox as Carol Finn, Mark Buckland as Katik Shaw, Fred G. Smith as Policeman, and Christopher Pettiet as a boy. <laughs> While delivering medical supplies to a planet involved in a lengthy, lengthy civil war, Dr. Crusher is taken hostage by Flynn, the leader of a radical separatist organization. Certain the radicals will use Beverly as a bargaining chip for their cause, Picard asks Riker to rescue Dr. Crusher with the help of the leader of the Rutan police. They have joined forces with the Rutians against us. They are not your enemy. They are more valuable to me than an enemy. For 70 years, we have shouted and no one has heard us. Destroy the Federation flagship, someone will listen. Please. They are the ones who interfered. They are the ones who sent medical supplies. They are the ones who organized mass arrests. They are killing your son, not me. Steve, would you like to start us for the high ground? Just say no to terrorism. That's what I have in my notes. Okay, I've said, like, I've I've already made my position on this one clear the last two. (laughs) You guys... Do you dislike this? Is this terrible? Is it bad? Is it okay? I would, I would say it's a little better than okay because it, it, it asks questions like the last episode does. I mean, it asks serious questions about terrorism and so forth. So when I think when we get to what's this episode about, it'll definitely hold up. But, I mean, is the episode a little flimsy here and there? Sure. I think I think it's certainly bad for season three. I, I mean, it it feels it's so on the nose, yes. and I, I and I understand this is 
by far pre-9-11 terrorism talk. I mean, at the, the time of this episode, you know, terrorism was a very distant concept for Americans and so forth. And so, you know, I understand that, but it's still very uh, preachy, you know. It's like, let's let's talk about – and, you know, you have the you have the Wesley moment kind of like we had back in season one, you know, the oh, kind of stuff drugs. like, yeah, yeah how can – why do people do this to themselves and – you know, want to take drugs or whatever. So that's you know, it's just it's that kind of feel. You know, I mean, if they if they'd have done less of that, I mean, you know, I don't think this would have been so awful. But it just because they went so far that way, it would it got tiresome. Yeah, and like, how many different scenes do we hear? Crap. What's what's the what's it? Oh, Finn. Mm-hmm. How many different times do we hear Finn tell Crusher the same thing? Like, I'm willing to die or I'm willing to kill for my freedom, Doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it was pretty repetitive and and then. Um, Riker with the police captain. We had the same scene mm. there a couple of times in a row, and it was, she was like, "I want to go home and this and stop saying." And it was so like kind of melodramatic. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with all of that if they were asking kind of an interesting question or provide, trying to answer some things or whatever. But really, it just felt like, yeah, terrorism bad. I'm a terrorist. I kill people. You know, there was no, there was no like um, shades of anything here. Um, you know, it, it, maybe it started from a germ of an, of an interesting idea, but it just very quickly became um, like it, it had nothing. This episode just didn't have anything to say ever to me. Um, yeah, I didn't care for the crusher scenes with him. You know, he's, you know, he he's so he can draw and he's kind of charming, but he's still a brutal person. And so I didn't quite I didn't believe that crush. You know, I didn't like that crusher started liking him as soon as she did, you know. Yeah, it feels like really screwy whenever, whenever she's suddenly kind of defending him to mm-hmm. card, right? And, and you know, in the next in the next scene, we have her saying something to him like, um, "You've controlled me through fear," but like but that's after the scene where she's defending him to Picard. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of weird, <laughs> and it's another one of those things where I've said like, Crusher is probably my my least favorite character on the show. I don't dislike her, but. And you know, probably the main reason for that was they really didn't do any good Crusher episodes mm. to me. Um, I can't think of any. I can only think of ones that were not good, and then some that were terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably you know halfway between the two. Anyway, um, I don't think that was Gates McFadden's fault. Right. You, know, you look at like they they. Finally, kind of figured out who Troy was, and we got some good Troy stuff as the show went on. I don't know that they ever really figured out who she was. I feel like she was a character that was just always interrupted, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's a great supporting character. I mean, you know, when it's an episode that's not strictly about her, but she's kind yeah, of like more of a supporting But almost everybody role. else, everybody, almost everybody else, everybody else did have, you know, at least a couple of good episodes all to themselves. I don't, sure. I, and I, I, I wonder how fair it is for me to say I don't care for her character so much. When probably I feel that way because they never did anything cool with her. They never gave me any good Crusher episodes. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think she's a fine actress and all. I just don't think that they ever really. They, I don't think they ever. They tried. They definitely tried. This was an effort. But I remember this being tedious when I was younger, and I don't think it's. If anything, it's gotten worse with time. Um, well, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, well, Crusher, she's obviously this is, she's back after her season hiatus. So, mm-hmm. 
I guess it's one of those perplexing things in there. They could never <laughs> quite figure it out that character because obviously they had her, they fired her, they brought her back. So look at it this way. There's probably a lot of confusion in the production of that character as well. The most interesting things about Crusher are, to me, are her relationship with Picard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The most interesting interesting things about this character require another character. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't say that about the other characters that I like. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't know. There's 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 very little that I like in this episode. I mean, it's not terrible, terrible. I I you know I'll watch it again. It's not complete crap, but it's. <laughs> it's certainly the the mm-hmm. is it the worst thing we've seen so far in season three probably off the top of my head perhaps. Um, here's the one thing I like that little the the FX work when they would do their little interdimensional beaming yeah or whatever, yeah mm-hmm. that looks cool is that mm-hmm. what it looked like in ST I can't even remember I'm assuming I don't recall I don't recall but more I remember or less thinking but... it looked cool before but now I think it looks cool I don't know mm-hmm. um, I don't know what it looked like on HD <laughs> I watched it on Netflix. Just looks like a little flash with yellow, with uh, kind of like black in the middle with yellow all around. Mm, no, this was this was more of like a silver, but it was almost like plates coming out of them or something. Huh. I don't know. I thought it looked cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Wes actually help out in this episode in, in a fairly realistic way. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. Know? Oh, I remember something from a class I did last year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, it's not it's not Wunderkind. <laughs> so, so I buy it. So it's okay. It's I buy it. You know. Uh-huh. Um. Uh, gosh, I don't know. I I kind of like the moment whenever suddenly, taken completely out of context of the rest of the episode. If I, the moment whenever, he, uh, Finn says it's unfortunate your son is on the Enterprise. You know that's kind of scary. And then all of a sudden she yeah. says, you know, I'll do whatever I have to, whatever you want, whatever. Right. And he doesn't give in. You know, um, their effort to destroy the Enterprise seems, um. Maybe not so well planned. You would think with that technology, if they wanted to, they could have done something better. I don't know. And they even mentioned the notion of ejecting the warp core. So yeah. yeah, which is what you would think they would have. But even when I was watching, I was just thinking they they can't afford that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I know. <laughs> you know they it, never it's funny. The warp core. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Well, they, I mean, they do it on Voyager eventually, whenever it can just be all CG, well, right? Once it's mm-hmm. CG, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's funny that. It's funny how your perception of the show as you get old, even that's how I was when I was a kid. Like, I'm a movie nut. I moved to L.A. to work on movies, right? When you're younger, you don't think about it. But now everything about every movie ever is all – it's money, 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 mm-hmm. budget, 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 budget. That's all I think about half the time. Even watching this show uh, that I that I really enjoy, I can't – you know, see, I can see how somebody else might, might think that, oh, maybe that looked kind of sparse. There's like an Enterprise and one other ship and maybe a planet down below. And – I'm just thinking about the budget of what they had to work with, mm. and that was that was all they could afford. There you go. There's nothing else, right? Mm-hmm. See, so what they should have done, kind of like how the uh, you know the, <laughs> the same footage every time we see the um, saucer section split, you know, the Enterprise, and it doesn't do yeah. it often, but it's the same it's the same footage from um, you know. <laughs> so they should have just yeah, but, shot a core ejection and just yeah. used that <laughs> every time. But then that means they'd be writing the core ejection into like three yeah, episodes probably, a season. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go well, again. We, did, well, we didn't see the saucer separation that often, so. Uh, yeah. Of course, that was you're also talking about the only episode that ILM did the effects work for. <laughs> anyway. Um, they certainly saved on makeup because this humanoid race is one thing is that they have a streak of color through their hair, so that's right. that was fun. Yeah, and even even the hunted, they were pretty much human looking, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So saved on on makeup uh, this this time around. Um. I don't know. Uh, 
what was there a scene in this episode that you guys liked? I mean, like one scene you thought, oh, that was a good scene. Anything? Uh, I, some of the uh, Picard Crusher banter, you know, because I always, I always after they're captured. Yeah, I always captured. wish that you know they would have developed that more somehow, you know. But uh, and and I see, you know, it's it's good stuff, you know. But I like that. All right, that's probably the high point for me. Um. Yeah, I agree with most of what you've been saying, Brian. About it. it's. They're trying to say something, and I do think they they make a valid point in this episode about terrorism. But I mean, I think they get a little preachy at times. I, I like. What, what do you think? What what point do you think they're trying to make? I and mean, it's okay if we go into what it's about. What 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 point do you think they're trying to make about terrorism in this episode? Because I don't know. I that's why I'm asking. Well, what I was going to say is like so the scenes with Riker and the police chief. Well, she gets a little over dramatic and preachy, but you know, I. Just about what what it's like to live in a in a state like that, and in a police police run state where you have terrorists and things like that, um, and you got to kind of remember we got to take this in context that you know the only terrors there wasn't any terrorism going on in the United States in the late '80s. The only terrorism that we knew of at that time was just basically in Ireland, and I'm pretty sure they mentioned it in the episode. So we didn't really there was really no experience in it, and so I agree with you. Looking at it now, it's very over preachy and it's overdone. They don't hit the points. Um, but I think that's what they're trying to, they're trying to talk about terrorism and society. Um, what justifies the means? Um, I, I could see them trying to do that. It just didn't come off very well because like you and Steve said, it's just, it just kind of over, it's kind of campy in the way it does it. Well, implying that the violence of terrorism justifies the means which this episode does at least a couple of times it kind of implies that maybe that mm. that that is justified just for implying that it was basically censored in the uk and ireland for you know 15 mm. years mm -hmm. um, it was just re relatively recently that it was actually aired without messing with those lines well, well see um, that's what I, the, that's the problem they have with this this episode <clears> they try to make their terrorists likable what but what he's doing is in is basically is low and despicable a way of a form of terrorism that you, you could uh, apply, you know, he has no, no, no feeling, but just to kill. So, um, and that's where it messes up. They, you know, either make him completely unlikable or give him a just cause for what he's doing. Because, you know, I understand they try to use the death of his son and the long, it just didn't, just didn't come off. So, yeah, I, I think I think they yeah they spent too much time reiterating the same phrases, which just got redundant. When they yeah. could have been developing developing that character, developing the the nature of this cause, so we understand it better, so we can have some kind of sympathy. Because I think if they were going for the ambiguities of terrorism, the notion that where do you draw the line? If somebody's cause is just enough, and and they just have um, they don't have the resources of someone else. What do they do if you if you roll with that more and don't just get like say the same preaching things over and over and over again? Maybe you had something. Yeah, I don't know. You know, and they gave them to you know like a you know a, a busload of children exploded. You know, you can't have any empathy for this protagonist <laughs> right. that you have when you hear something like that. It's like they're trying to make him likable, but yet then you hear about a bus full of children exploding. It just doesn't match I mean, even the what IRA. they were trying to do. Even the IRA eventually, I think that they they started coming to the table more because, you know, 
you, you often have civilians and not only do people look bad and look down on you, but you start to, you know, there, there is um, a moral line there that you can feel yourself having crossed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think those could, those could be some interesting questions, but that's not what happens here. Mm -hmm. We only hear about like that bus thing by the police chief. We don't hear that they made any changes. We don't hear that, that, you know, Finn, he doesn't, He's a, he's just completely one dimensional and ruthless. Mm -hmm. He has like a line about his son dying when he was thirteen or something. You know, he has like one scene where he says, "I don't want you to fear me," and gives her those drawings. But you're like, "What?" You know, mm -hmm. um, I don't want to get too into modern politics here, but you know, I'm an American, and most Americans are kind of raised to be pro-Israel, whether we realize it or not. I can actually, I can, I can see a little bit of both sides in that scenario, like the Palestinians, some of the, some of it kind of, you know, I, if I try to use my brain, I can see the shades there and I can see, you know, wondering, this fundamental dilemma of two people wanting the same land for, for religious reasons. However, I don't, don't do see any shades with, say, Al-Qaeda. Mm -hmm. I don't see anything, any shades with Al-Qaeda. Right. You know, they're just going to kill 2,000 civilians. Hey, there, you know, there's not, there's no story there. That's just, that's just crazy fanatic. There's no shade. There's no story. There's no character. And that's kind of what I get from this. And it makes it feel flat. And it makes saying those same bits feel redundant in multiple scenes. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. So I, I made the point earlier that, you know, I think they, they were trying to say something in this episode. I just think inexperience of terrorism at the time this episode was written caused this episode to be flat and looking 20 years back you know 20 plus years back at it with what what all we know now all the things that we've gone through through society it does look flat it does look like what you know i can you know this episode doesn't hold up because it was written at a time when honestly we didn't know as much as we thought we knew about terrorism so but my argument is, is that they were trying to, to to talk about that they just it's just the experience of the writers wasn't there in this I, subject I can, matter. I can see, I can see a bit of that. I, can, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow you go into time machine, somehow erase our memories <clears throat> from the last twenty some years, and watch this like mm -hmm. that. You know, I don't recall exactly what I thought at the time about this episode, but yeah, I, I mean, I can see a little bit of that. I still think it's very on the nose and so on and so forth, and it, and it's kind of simple, and maybe maybe to an extent, America's attitudes towards uh, terrorism were naive and simple at that time, or or ignorant, flat out ignorant. I don't know. Well, that, that's this is a good point. Um, that, that is a good point. On the other hand, part of the purpose of our show is to examine these with the benefit of hindsight, mm -hmm. you know. And we still find plenty of really great episodes that completely hold up. Mm -hmm. You know, this one I think was probably weak at the time, and then. Um, yes, things like 9-11 made it look even more naive and, and flat. So it just got worse, and it does not survive the test of time. So basically what I say, the, I give them credit for trying, even though they failed at what they were trying to do. <clears throat> this, is a, this is an episode that I would, I would only play for, like, you know, um, Star Trek nuts. Like, basically, this is a, for Star Trek fans only episode. Mm -hmm. uh, the completest thing. Yeah, it's not, you know. Or if hey, you're looking to not. fall, asleep, if you're looking to fall asleep before bed, this is probably a good <laughs> episode. 
as as crusher relationship things go it's probably easier than the ghost thing (laughs) 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 anyway all right i think we've covered this one moving on to six degrees for the high ground uh what is our score it's two one or something like that i think so yeah two one all right uh adam went first last time steve Mm-hmm. This episode was the last full writer credit for Melinda, Melinda Snodgrass. The script certainly makes metaphorical references to Ireland, uh, but a script she wrote in Next Gen's second season was explicit in such references, albeit with bad stereotypes. Name the episode. Mm. Oh, yes, yes. I always thought the, the name was kind of dumb, which made me remember it. Oh, is it Up the Long Ladder? You are correct. It was <laughs> Up the Long Ladder. Uh, Adam? Snodgrass also wrote an original Star Trek novel for Pocket Books. Uh, it was not based on Next Gen. Upon which Star Trek was it based? Um, I, can the, I can give you the title because I don't think it gives anything away. The Tears uh, of the Singers. The Tears of the Singers. Um, I'm just going to go with DS9 because Tears of the Prophets. I don't know. No, maybe I shouldn't have given you the title. <laughs> I didn't think of that, but yeah, that kind of makes it feel that way. Um, My first guess was going to be um, original. but you, you would have been correct with the original. If I'd given you the year, it would have made it really easy. She actually oh, yeah. wrote, the, wrote it in 1984, several hmm. years before she started Next Gen. Damn it, your hint ruined me. <laughs> yep, I'm sorry. Well, oh, I well, think you, Steve you, you, still would, yeah, you still would have maybe come out um, negative Hello. today. Yes. Sorry. All right. Um, so there you go, folks. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, in two weeks, we hope to have a special guest on to talk with us about Deja Cube. Um, let's see. You can, and we're working on some other stuff for later, but we can't talk about it yet because none of it's uh, for sure. <laughs> but when it is, you will know. Um, let's see. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. That's at Trek Companion. Send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Um, and uh, guys, it was fun talking with you for Star Trek. You know, I, 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 obviously I love Star Trek. I love watching it. And the episodes are getting good enough. We're getting to those, that's the section of episodes where I'm like excited, you know. Well, even the bad ones we can talk about. That's why. That's why season yeah. three is great. <laughs> yeah, you know, my memory was, it's it's seasons three, four, five are are, are my favorite. Um, season three, you're looking down the list of how many incredible episodes they had. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's the best season. I don't know. We'll see. It's funny to talk about that. You know, like today, um, but <laughs> they're they're coming up, folks. They're coming soon. All right. So thanks for sticking with us, and we will catch everybody in two weeks. Bye. See you.